Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Hey, we are going to start a series today that is so much fun, and it's um, behind the scenes of a Lifetime movie that's coming out, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, the Christine Carlson story. But first, let's go ahead and take our golden pause, real short one today, because I want to jump right into this wonderful interview that we have. So let's go ahead and close our eyes. Sit comfortably in your chair and uncross your legs. Place your palms open on your lap and just begin to breathe with me. Breathing in through your nose, allow your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And on the exhale, just relax, release, and let go of any tension you feel. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just let go. Sink into your breath and into your body. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, And spend a moment thinking of one thing that you feel grateful for. And as you fill your heart and your mind and your whole body with pure golden gratitude, on the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being, on the exhale, let go of any fear you feel. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. And this time, as you breathe in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being, on the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you again, like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude. On the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. Oh, well, I am so excited to bring in our very, very special guest today, and he is just a wonderful, wonderful human. I like to say that because, you know, we're all humans, but sometimes you meet great humans, and sometimes you meet nice humans, and sometimes you meet not so nice humans. This is a very nice human. (laughs) I want to welcome Jason McDonald. Jason, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be a part of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff world. Hey, well, you know, let's begin there. You know, well, first of all, let's tell tell everyone, I, I didn't 
create or read, I'm not going to read a formal bio of you today, but Jason McDonald is the actor that was selected and chosen to play Richard in the, in the movie, the Lifetime movie, um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And so, Jason, I just want to, um, first, I want to thank you for doing that and for honoring Richard so much, because after I met you and even talked to you on the phone, I was just like, oh, my goodness, they did such a perfect job casting you. I mean, the just the compassion and the gentleness and, you know, just the whole demeanor of who you are. Not that you and Richard looked alike, but you had the same look. But also it's, it was your whole demeanor, the kindness that you exude and just this groundedness and this presence and this centeredness. So I just, I was so um, just, I was feeling really, really amazed after I spoke to you on the phone the first time. But first, before we jump into all of that, I want um, our audience to know and to you know place you. Where have they, might have they seen you before in your acting career? Um, well, if they've watched TV in the last 20 years, they've seen me in something. I used to do a lot of commercials when I lived in New York City. Um, I'm best known for playing Grayson Gilbert on The Vampire Diaries, which was not a role that was on a lot of episodes, but I was a big part of the story because it was Elena's, uh, the lead girl's father. And um, um, so Vampire Diaries fans know me. Um, it's sort of like Orson Welles in the in the third man that he was talked about more than he was actually in the the movie, right? That that character. Um, but I've guest starred on a lot of shows like uh, the the reboot of Dynasty, um, Bull on CBS, uh, three episodes of Sweet Magnolias on Netflix. Um, I'm having this is crazy. I'm having to look at my own IMDb page to remember what I've done. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that is, and that sounds really bad, but it's, I can't remember all the shows I've been on. It's crazy. Um, bigger for BET and uh, Miracle Workers with um, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I've done a lot of indie films and uh, some some bigger films like The Accountant uh, with Ben Affleck. And, oh, uh, yeah. What, what did you play in that? I watched that. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny role as a reporter. It actually, half my stuff got cut, which is very common in our industry. <laughs> um, but I go back. I mean, I, I cut my teeth on soap operas in New York, um, One Life to Live, Another World, All My Children. Um, oh, wow. You've had a very long career. Very yeah. long career. And and a, in an, in a, sorry. No, just a, a really varied, uh, interesting life. You know, I spent a lot of years doing the typical actor, bartending and waiting tables and managing and wondering if I was ever going to get that break or if, if things were ever going to shift. And I think I spent a lot of years kind of doubting myself. And I think that held me back for a long time. Um, and my wife and I lived in New York City. We met there. We moved to Los Angeles. We moved back to New York City. And then we moved to Atlanta in 2006 to take care of her father. It was not anything related to our careers. And... Um, it was a huge sacrifice. And my agents in New York were like, what are you doing? Why are you moving to Atlanta? And it actually coincided with everything blowing up in this market where we live um, because of tax incentives that Georgia put in place. And we've been able to carve out really great careers here in Atlanta. So who who would have ever would have ever known? And and we got to spend some real quality time with Catherine's father. Um, he lived, I think, seven more years after we so we spent incredible time with him and um so yeah our lives changed you know 
the path that we think we're going to take is never the one we end up on, right? And um, we made this big leap and said, well, we'll go to Atlanta for a couple of years and take care of your dad. And then maybe we'll move back to LA or something. And here we are 15 years later, still in Atlanta. So that's wonderful. What a wonderful story. And I bet your life really changed um, with your marriage too. just having that support and that encouragement and that sort of, I don't know, there's something that's really wonderful about a true partnership and it's that being held and you, you almost get to um, relax on some level, you know, and then you can kind of flourish on another level. And at least that I, that was my experience of, of marriage and, and our trajectory, Richard's and mine was very similar. I mean, he had to wear many, many hats before he became a big time bestselling author. And, and so did I, you know, we, we often as entrepreneurs, we have multiple careers going on at once while we're just trying to make ends meet to see our dream through. And he would have attested to that too, that Don't Sweat the Small Stuff was his 10th book. Um, and up until that point, he was wondering if he should go get a job in human resources or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was in the script. I mean, I know that some liberties were taken with your story in uh, in in the script, but that was one of the in the early in the in the film. Um, it mentions that he's going to take a job. Richard's going to take a job in human resources, and he's sort of just given up on himself. And and your character that is played by Heather Locklear is is encouraging him and saying that she'll go back to work in order to support. So um, that wasn't yeah. unlike too unlike how it happened. The timing of things um, in the movie was quite different than they, they changed the timeline a lot to meet the lifetime kind of movie arc. But that conversation that we had really didn't go much unlike that, you know, that I, I knew that Richard had a big dream. I supported his dream and, you know, we had two small kids growing up and it was tough and I didn't want him to give up on his dream. So I was very willing to go back to work and even right. take a job at Nordstrom or whatever I could get at that point in my life, you know, that would be um, conducive to, you know, family life. And then things just switched pretty quickly, like really quickly, like right that moment they switched. <laughs> okay. wow. So I, I just want to talk to you about like, um, what was that like when you, I know you were working on another movie, which I thought, wow, you know, what a vigorous schedule to go from one movie just directly, you know, right into the next before you're even done um, with that project. And, and so you, you got the script from your agent um, and then tell us about that process. Cause I, I'm sure people are very curious about what is that process? Like how does an actor get selected for a movie? Um, there's an audition process at, it's interesting because there are tiers in our industry. So there are certain people with recognizable names that are called what are called offer only, and they will just be offered the role. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, so I had to audition, which is great. I love to audition. Um, as soon as I read the script, I connected instantly to it. And then I think I told you this in person, Chris, that I just felt sometimes you read a script and go, yeah. Uh, I, I can feel it. I can feel it in my in my heart, in my soul, who this person is, and I relate so so much to that person. So I don't I don't want to say it was easy, but it wasn't hard. Um, the hardest part was just like learning lines. That's all, you know. And so in our industry now, because of COVID and pre-COVID as well, we self-taper. We tape ourselves. We either go to a taping service or we have a setup here at home, and Catherine tapes me. So the audition, the script came in on Thursday and it was, the audition was due on Monday. 
I got it in Friday because I like to be on it. I was like, I had a window of time to work on it, to learn the lines. Um, and I sent the tape and by Saturday I was already in consideration. And by Monday they were just waiting for the network to approve me. Um, it's funny because the casting director told my manager said, there's a, there are a lot of producers on this. So a lot of people have to approve Jason and, um, apparently they all approved me. So it's, um, you know, so then the calls come and it's like, you're, you're pretty close to being approved waiting for network. And then the discussions about the, you know, the details of the contract and all of that. Um, that's why we have good representation to handle that stuff. Uh, and I was thrilled because like, like you said, I had just finished doing moonshot for HBO, um, max and was actually looked like there might be a day conflict. Um, I wrapped on the Friday and they wanted me to come to Nashville that Friday for a fitting and I couldn't do it because I was still shooting. So, um, it's, it worked out. It worked out very well. We started on the Monday. So I finished a film one week and started another one the next, which is exciting. It doesn't all, doesn't happen that often. So. So tell us what you did to prepare for your role of playing Richard. Um, ordered books, his three of his books, started listening to him, uh, his books on tape uh, to get his voice in my head. So what I wanted to know, and I had a meeting, a phone meeting with Ellen Pressman, the director, who's lovely, uh, wonderful. And I wanted to be sure that they didn't want me to do an imitation of Richard. Um, Cause that's, I did not want to do that. Um, they had talked about putting blue contacts in and you know richard had this cleft in his chin you you might know this chris uh, he had this, and you know it's i didn't distinct, know. it's a very distinct cleft i used yeah. to stick my i used to stick my thumb in it and pull his face pull on it it was so <laughs> distinct <laughs> um so i wondered if makeup was going to do that and they didn't and what ellen explained to me which just made me very happy is that they just wanted to capture richard's essence and they felt like from my audition they already saw that i had that um and that's great from an actor's perspective to, to not have to be feeling like I'm doing an imitation of his voice. I mean, even to the point and big, 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 uh, I don't want to say secret, but for those of you that are big Richard Carlson fans, if you notice in the movie, I'm signing things with my right hand, Richard was left-handed. So, um, we, uh, I practiced left hand. I practiced his sig signature left hand and it, it just, um, it was a mess. So, <laughs> so we uh, decided to go with my right hand. Um, but you know, I looked, I watched as many videos as I could of, of both of you, um, on various talk shows and, uh, news shows and just to, to understand. And there was something that came across instantly, Chris, and that was the sense of calm that Richard had just this grounded calmness, um, and it's funny because in the movie we talk about, you know, you have a moment where Richard says, you know, I'm completely stressed out and I'm writing my books on airplane trade tables. You know, I get that. I get that as, uh, as an actor and as an acting teacher, um, sometimes my exterior can seem very placid and calm and inside I'm, I'm going, Oh shit. You know, <laughs> um, but Richard really, I, I felt that I felt that from him and just, a. uh, a grounded confidence and a kindness. He really, I got this. And you, you said you used that word with me on the phone when we talked and of just how a kind heart and leading with grace and kindness. And I relate to that. Um, so yeah, watching videos, 
actually listening to his voice uh, on the audiobook was great. It really just to literally get his voice in my head. Uh, and then talking to you, I, the conversation we had when I got into Nashville and I was in my hotel room for the, fir the first night and you just gave me so many gems and so many those little insights that only a, a partner, a life partner could have. And it just filled in. It just it just helped me shade it a little bit more. Right. Um, um, to, to add a little bit more color to, to the, my portrayal to the character. So, and then, you know, and then learning the lines and, uh, and then connecting with my co-star Heather Locklear, um, which is another thing when you're doing a movie or TV and you haven't met your co-star and then you meet them on the first day often and you go, you go, well, I hope, I hope they're great. I hope they, you know, and Heather is incredible. Um, kind, funny as funny. Oh, I know. Remember I told you that when I was like, oh my gosh, she's so funny. Like mm -hmm. she gets you just laughing. She's hilarious. She has a very offbeat humor and, and it's, 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 it's just not what you expect from her, but it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. They're very irreverent. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and she told some great stories about, um, her rock and roll days and, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> really amazing, uh, to think about, you know, being on a plane with Bon Jovi in Russia, you know, just crazy stuff like that. So, um, but she was lovely and what a great scene partner. Um, we connected instantly. We had a great rapport and that's important because the story is, it's your story, Chris. And the, at the heart of that story is the relationship with Richard and, um, and how he is still such an important part of your life. Right. Yeah. And, in, if you have two actors that aren't connecting, um, you know, it wouldn't necessarily work. But I think the audience is just going to go, oh, they're, they're going to buy it. They're really going to buy it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, for those of you who haven't seen the movie yet, we hope this really inspires you to watch. Um, we don't want to give too much of the story away, but but there's a lot of details. There's a lot of, you know, dramatic turns and twists, twists and turns in the movie. So we won't talk too much about those, but, um, yeah, you know, I, my gosh, you know, when I came on set that day, you know, I was just like, it was, it was a real mind blower, you know, I just meeting you and meeting the cast and, and also just that feeling of, wow, wow, this is really happening, you know, because <laughs> you kind of go from, um, the concept, you know, for a long time, uh, Mora and I have worked on this and, and I will tell Mora's story in a different interview, but it's been many, many years that Mora and I have um, worked on this project together. And it actually even started when Richard was alive. Right. And um, so it, it was so surreal to me to be there and to see our story coming to life. And what I, what I loved so much was um, Kenna, the real Kenna, actually looks very much like Richard. She's she looks I, really identical to him. When you meet her, it, it'll be like you you can just see Richard in her. She mm -hmm. just has Richard's face, and you know they they just they just look very much alike. And and Jazz looks very much more like me. Mm -hmm. So when they cast you guys, it was fascinating because Ella, who plays Kenna, looks very much like your daughter could look. Yeah. And yeah. And um, looks very much like you. And then um, Natasha Bure, who's jazz, looks very much like Heather, who's playing me. And so I just found that amazing, too. And then the chemistry that the four of you had as a family 
was so good. And I, I just want to tell this one story that when I had my earphones on and you guys were doing the scene where you drive up to the school um, and Kenna gets out in a half, um, in between the scenes, you were on camera and it was so funny because you said to everyone um, in the back and, and Heather too, you're like, hey guys, you know, we have such good chemistry. We better get ready for the sitcom. Don't sweat the small stuff, the Carlson family sitcom. And Heather immediately, she's so quick. She turns to you and she goes, what do you mean? You're going to be dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, Heather. Um, and I couldn't help but just, oh my God. Then the producers all turned around to me because I was sitting behind them thinking, well, how is she going to receive that? And I was just laughing my, you know, good. laughing. I mean, that was hilarious. And, and, you know, it just, it was so cute. Like it was so fun um, to see that kind of fun, you know, banter that happened between the four of you. So what was that like? Cause you guys really did become like a family. Yeah. I'm, um... I mean, those girls were terrific and they hit it off. Ella and Natasha hit it off instantly. And, you know, Natasha's older. Ella's 14. Uh, Natasha's in her early 20s. And she could have just, you know, ignored this girl that was playing her sister, but she didn't. She took her in and they became friends and they went bowling together. And uh, I really, I really appreciate that from Natasha that she, she was really kind to Ella. And Ella's great. She's, she's a, She's a 19 year old, 14 year old. Like she's very, very mature and smart and, and uh, hilarious, just a hilarious kid. You know, I didn't, other than the car scene and then while walking up to the car, we had the scene where I'm making breakfast for everyone. And it was a complicated scene because um, we had a lot of marks to hit. Uh, Heather came in, I was in one place, I was putting food down. Then I had to go around to go to the, and this is, you know, in the film world, things that we call them park and barks that's when you sit and just talk in a movie and we're like oh it's a park and bark it's easy well this was the opposite of a park and bark this was multiple <laughs> marks props food uh you know complicated moves and um you know you never want to lose the fun of it when you're thinking about the technical side of it but the, that scene ended up being really fun and the next day ellen said to me she said that was my favorite scene to film so far. And I was like, oh, good, because it was really fun to do. And I think it's because the four of us just connected and we had a looseness and it just felt easy and light. It felt like a real family. Um, so, yeah, you don't, it's nice to not have to work at that when you're on set, when you just connect with people and it feels natural. That's, that's, that's gold right there. So. Yeah. yeah. And so how many takes, I mean, what, what I find just fascinating and I've had a little bit of behind the camera um, experience, so I know, but for just the general public, they don't probably realize just every scene, every little scene that is done is done from so many different angles and so many different cameras. And, and you might do the same scene. How many times, Jason? 15, 20, 30. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the traditional filmmaking is, you know, the wide shot, and then they do medium shots, and then they do everyone's close-ups. Uh, but there's variations on that, too. I mean, I don't know if you were there when we had, it was like the Steadicam rig, um, where the guy was actually wearing the camera um, yeah. with some of that. And those are complicated shots. And yeah, then, you know, we do what's called, you know, turning around, right? Well, so they'll shoot out one side of the room, the camera's facing one side of the room and, and everyone's reactions. And then they 
turn everything around and relight the other side of the room. It takes hours and hours and hours. And um, you never, as an actor, <laughs> you never know what's going to end up on screen, right? So it's interesting on the other side of it to watch and go, oh, they used that shot or they used that angle. You know, and within those and new angles, they're changing lenses. You know, they're doing a wider lens or a closer lens. Um, and uh, it's, I'd, it's never boring. Uh, the downtime in between can be, right? It's like, well, they're lighting things, but that's, we often just go back to our trailers or back to our chairs and they have the stand-ins do that. So um, it's a fascinating process and it can be, you know, it can take a long time. Um, but I think the end product and the care that this production took and that Ellen took and that our, our director of photography, Chris, took uh, is just, the film just looks so beautiful, what I've seen of it so far. And that's because they take the time to get every angle and get every possible you know, shot in a scene that they can. So then when they piece it together in the edit, it just flows beautifully. So. Yeah, to me, it didn't look like a traditional Lifetime movie when I was looking at it. Um, it looks like they've gone a little bit there. I don't know. I just think they've taken really great care. It's probably because of this story and, and how impactful the story is, don't you think? Or Yeah, I mean, I was told from the get-go that this was not going to be a typical Lifetime movie. Um, not that there's anything wrong with a typical Lifetime no, movie. No. Uh, my wife, Catherine Dyer, was in a Lifetime movie called Psycho-in-Law that was um, <laughs> one of their biggest hits the year it came out, and, uh, and it was terrific. And it's a more, it, that's a more traditional uh, Lifetime movie. But this is an incredible story. I think it's a real banner piece for Lifetime. Um, and I think just the way it's shot, it's shot more like a feature film than a TV movie, uh, even though our schedule was pretty tight, pretty ambitious. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they really took the care to to make sure every single shot was was gorgeous and and um felt like it was serving the story right so yeah and i i felt you know i i just that that also made me feel so good you know like because i think like the hardest thing about doing something like this is you're just never sure how people are going to care for your story and you know, and people don't really realize, like I, after I sell the rights, um, I sold the rights to my book, Heartbroken Open, um, even though it's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, the story comes from my first couple of years of grief and, and my reflections really looking back on my life and my relationship and the building of our brand and, and, and my feelings about what it, what it meant to, you know, take over everything. Like I, I I'll tell you this little personal story um, Richard used to drive into the driveway and he'd have all of these bills on his lap and he'd be like leafing through mail and he'd do it in the driveway because he just didn't want to bring that into the house. <laughs> and so, cause it would kind of stress him out and stuff. And so he'd just kind of be leafing through mail and stuff. And, and then he'd come in and he'd be around the house and I would bounce in maybe right after that, like, and I'd be like, talking about all the fun I had, all these things I did. <laughs> and, and one time he looks at me and he goes, okay, let's just get one thing straight. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, I'm going to be you next time. <laughs> 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 like, I'm going to get, I'm going to be you next time around. You, mm -hmm. you get to be me. I'm going to be you. He goes, you look like you have too much fun during your day. <laughs> wow. And, and then when I thought about that a lot after he died, you know, because I was like, wow, you know, I, I get to now be myself and do everything that I did. And now I need to do everything that he did. 
So now I get to be both of us in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that's something he would have signed up for, but he, he got me, he kind of got me back on that one. <laughs> so that's the way I look at that is it's just kind of, you know, it, it, it but when lifetime, um, it was scary for me, you know, to not know what was going to happen to the story and even who was going to play us and all of that. And, and I couldn't have been more thrilled with the choice of you and the choice of Heather, you know, like, um, when I met Heather, she came out to my house and we had such a fun time together and she's just so, you know, she was just really, really wanting to do right by me. And Mm. I just found that so beautiful because I mean, I'm alive. It's harder because I'm here, but she and I do have very similar personalities. So I told her, I'm like, we, I already feel like we're so similar. You won't really have any trouble playing me. I mean, that's going to be easy. Just play yourself, you know? And so, um, and I think that's the beauty of this, this film is that they picked somebody very similar to Richard for you and, um, or for you to Richard and, and Heather to me. And I think that, um, it's, it's great that the chemistry of the two of you worked out too and, and all of that. So I, and I think, you know, just to kind of um, wrap this up, I'd love to ask you in your research, um, did you, and you read the books, what was like your big takeaway? What did you learn? What did you feel like was the gift in this whole process of this movie for you? Um, I think I may have, said this to you before, but uh, the thing that resonated the most with me is is what Richard wrote about living in the moment. It's an early chapter in, in the original Don't Sweat Your Small, the Small Stuff book. Um, my word for myself is balance, right? I'm, I'm seeking, always seeking balance and I, I achieve it once in a while, um, but I'm always striving for it. And Richard's chapter on, on um, just living in the moment uh, really just resonated with me. And I felt like as we were shooting the film, I was constantly reminding myself, take this in, soak this in. This is a really special moment. This is on so many levels. I mean, you know, yes, an actor wants to work in book work, but this is something truly special. And this is why I wanted to be an actor. Oh boy, I'm going to get emotional. Um, because I, I wanted to tell stories and I want to tell stories that matter. And in a, in a career where we don't necessarily get to pick what we do, um, it's was such a, an incredible joy for me to, to be able to tell a story that really matters is important. I think it's important. I think it's going to have a huge impact on people that watch it. I think your story is so inspiring and incredible. Um, and it's it's going to make a difference. I mean, how how much better does it get when you're even if only one person um, changes something in their life because of this movie? Then then we've succeeded. So, um, yeah. So living in the moment, striving for it every day. Um, so thank you, Richard, for that. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Jason. And that would be. That would probably be Richard's favorite chapter too, just so you know, like that was, that was his, actually Oprah touted him for teaching her to, that he taught to live presently. So it it was one of the things that he was best at himself. And definitely one of the things that I learned mostly after he died, (laughs) 
you know, was, was to live super presently. And so that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, I just, I just want to thank you with all my heart for bringing so much of your heart to this movie. It, it just means so much to me. And I know that, um, Richard is around and he's around you and he's, he's, I just know that he was just thrilled, um, by the whole thing. And I feel that he was very present on set with you even, and that he, um, he'd just be very proud and as proud as I am just to have this kind of impact and be able to serve in this capacity and to take our story and, um, and, and have it have that kind of impact for people is, is really, that's all we've ever lived for. So just want to thank you for being a part of that and for bringing that to people. It's been quite an important part of our journey. Well, thank you for welcoming me into the family with open arms. Um, now, now you can't get rid of me. So <laughs> I don't want to. It's <laughs> awesome. That's so fun. And then I just want to let people know how they can find out more about you and what you're up to. Um, what is your Instagram handle? Jason McDonald official. Um, so M A C McDonald, Jason McDonald official. Um, I believe I still have a Facebook fan page, but I haven't looked at it in a couple of years. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram and uh, posting a lot about this movie and some behind the scenes stuff and uh, some pictures with the wonderful people I worked with. And um, yeah, so Instagram is the best place. Great. Well, thank you again, Jason, for being on. Um, just so excited for this movie, for y'all to watch it leave your comments and come back again. Don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. This is Christine Carlson. Goodbye. Christine is thrilled to announce that her book, Heartbroken Open, has been made into a lifetime movie starring Heather Locklear in her comeback to television. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, the Christine Carlson story, premieres at Lifetime on October 16th. Read the real story, a true page turner, and get your copy of Heartbroken Open at Amazon and ChristineCarlson.com.